It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is a view from the Bullins podcast. Listen to all the latest news and inside track from Goodison Park. Today, I think that the, the fact that from the first tackle, from the first minute until the last one, every player was given everything, the fans were behind. So the connection between players and fans has been great, like it was in the in the other games, and that is the reason why we could keep the, the tempo high, even if uh, we have some problems in the middle of the pitch. vacation is coming up you can already hear the beach waves feel the warm breeze relax and think about work you really really want it all to work out while you're away monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind when all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync things just flow wherever you are tap the banner to go to monday.com There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to another episode from A View from the Bullins with me, Mick Kemp, Lee McLean, Ben Winstanley and Matt Neal. Lee, Everton nil, Spurs nil, the rot is stopped, so to speak, Everton gain a point. Mill nil, what are your thoughts? Do you think it was a fair result? Um, No. Um, I think we were denied the win um, but first things first it was much better wasn't it I think that's one thing we'll all agree on I think what we've been crying out for the last couple of weeks is just a bit of effort passion application and it was there uh, on, on Sunday uh, and that's that's all you can ask for that's all Evertonians will ever want and I think they just set the tone early on I think from the off we were aggressive in the face I think even even little things like the treatment of Son you know, the fact that it clearly hadn't gone forgotten what, what's happened with uh, with Gomez. We were after him all game. It just set the tone for the crowd and the crowd responded. And, it, and that's not surprising. That's what we've always said will happen. So it was much, much better from that point of view. Um, I just think it was probably a game we would have gone on to win had we had all of our big hitters in there. I just think we lost momentum on maybe an hour, 70 minutes um, when we perhaps would have kicked on with Calvert-Lewin, Decorey and their bit of legs. It just went a little bit bit flat. But 
considering everything that we were up against in terms of injuries, confidence, you know, lack of form, uh, it was definitely a surprise. I think you know, before the game, I don't think many people, including me, definitely were, were not holding, holding out much hope for a result. Um, you know, fearing the worst with Tottenham, new manager bounce and all of that. Um, but it didn't happen that way. And I thought on the day, we were quite unlucky not to come away with the uh, with the three points. Um, obviously, we've got to come on to the the refereeing decision. That's the big talking point from the day. Um, you know, it was a joke. You know, and and it's one of those decisions that only ever seems to happen to Everton. Really, I think Borley's mentioned something similar in his column. Um, and and it to me, I was watching him. He seemed to be enjoying playing that character, that pantomime villain character, getting all these decisions wrong. Because he knows there's no there's no, no repercussions for him. You know, if Benitez or the club or players come out and slate Cavana after that game, we're the ones who get fined. They've, they've sort of got this protective bubble around them where you're not allowed to say a word. It's absolutely ridiculous. The club should call him out after that because he's the same fella. And so it's John Moss on VAR as well. Same same duo that cocked up and cost us the, the win against Man United just before lockdown. Take the fine. You know, you've got ex-pros, referees, Mark Halsey, I've just seen there, have all come out and ridiculed the decision. It's a shocking decision. You know, that, okay, you can say that you, you got to touch, it's debatable whether Lloris got a touch on the ball. I think if, if you're having to look at a frame in super slow motion for two minutes to decide whether he's got a hand on the ball, you can't then turn around and say it's a clear and obvious error. It, it's a terrible, terrible piece of officiating. It should have been a penalty. Um, and you know that you're looking at a one nil win then, you know, and, and, a, and a great result. So we've been had off again. Um, but as I say, we were only de- denied a win by, by, in my opinion, very very dodgy again officiating. It just makes you wonder why it always seems to happen to certain teams and not to others. I've got my own thoughts on that. I'm not going to talk about it here. But overall, absolutely made up. I thought it was nice to be part of a much better atmosphere. Seeing a, a decent performance, it stops the rot. It's a point on the board. We're going into the international break now. Hopefully, going to get our key men healthy. Um, you know, and back for the is it Brentford after the international break? Um, and hopefully, we can start to sort of kick on and build something again. So, yeah, much better. I'd have taken a point before the game, Mick. Mm, yes, yeah, Man City after the international break first, then and then Brentford. Yeah, Ben. We we don't just want to talk about the the, the controversy, shall we say the controversial decisions? But we're, we're going to have to. So, the penalty decision first. Uh, you know, Lee is frustrated at the decision. For me, I've, my personal opinion is it's it's a real tough on the penalty. It's I think if it was I think it was, if it was the other way around and Pickford had have made that foul, I think we would all probably be saying, "Well, he's touched the ball. He has touched the ball." Is it a penalty for me? It's it's. It's a, it's a tough one. I think for me, the, the problem is, is once the referee's given it, in this instance, it's Chris Kavanagh, he's given the penalty. Is it clear and obvious that there is an error? And no, it's not clear and obvious. So for then the fans then to get on Chris Kavanagh's back, and I think we have to take a step back sometimes and look at the bigger picture. He has been sent over to VAR. So you can't really blame Chris Kavanagh for then going against his initial decision because once VAR asks you to go review it, we are all clever enough and all wise enough to know you are changing your mind because VAR have told you, you need to go and have a look at that. If they don't send him over to the video, uh, the video printer or the TV screen, the penalty stands. Because they've sent him over, they are saying to him, we are not happy with your decision. And I think I've explained to, you, to, to all of you guys in the past, once a referee gets that instruction, every single referee bar probably you know, one time out of a million, they're going to go with VAR because that's then their safety net. They can then go back into the change room after the game to the observationers, the observers, the FA, and say, well, VAR were not happy with my decision and they've orchestrated me to go over to the screen. And then that makes it easier then to sell the decision to the crowd and everybody else around. So, Ben, I know you're going to be probably just as frustrated as Lee. Penalty, no penalty. What do you think? After having the opportunity to view all the clips and all the slow-mos, I don't think it was a penalty. Um, and I think the right decision was made. However, as you've quite rightly touched on there, what I'm most frustrated about is the use of the technology available. So for starters, Richarlison goes down, 
um, he gets back up and goes to the ball. And in that time, uh, Cavana's pointed to the spot and awarded a penalty. Now, for me, VAR was brought in to be playing advantage to then go and relook and reassess uh, on the initial foul. So, in that in mind, could he potentially have played on, used the advantage, seen how the, the chance developed, if he scored, got a shot off, and once the ball go out of play, then refer to the technology to go and break it down. Now, as yourself and Lee have quite rightly stated, Cavana's awarded a penalty, so the position that he's in along the field, which... I think by a referee's textbook, was quite a good position. Um, he hasn't quite seen the touch on the ball because it is extremely faint. So he's awarded the penalty. So as what you've both quite rightly stated is, it then needs to be clear and obvious to overrule a decision. Now, having to go frame by frame, for me, isn't clear and obvious. It's not like he's clearly... Um, it's been a massive mistake. Like There's a massive parry on the ball. There's been a massive hand to the ball. We're talking fingertips here. So for the letter of the law, he's won the ball and the follow-through's brought him down. The, the follow-through hasn't endangered Richarlison. Um, it hasn't threatened to obviously cause him serious injury or harm. By the Premier League, that would also be a foul. He hasn't done that. The follow-through's just part of the momentum of winning the ball. But the lack of technology, of not using the technology available, is the massive concern for me. And I think Matthew Barry got it summed up quite rightly on Twitter and replied to myself, and he won't mind me mentioning this, he goes on to state, obviously, the bigger issue about the Premier League is the pool of refs that we currently got. So, obviously, VAR was brought in to correct the mistakes made by these Premier League referees. But when you've got the likes of John Moss, who are in that pool of pots, it's kind of like, as he stated, the blind leading the blind. So, it needs to be worked on. It's still quite relevant. Re well, it's quite new. Also, Cavana got the Mason-Holgate decision badly wrong, too. Let's not forget, he originally booked him where I could see straight away it's a red card. So is that clear and obvious? Yes, all day. Decision overruled, sending off. But the penalty, it's not a penalty for me, but that's when you break it down extremely slow into these slow motion clips. But real time, real life, it's got to be something overwhelming to go against the decision of the on-field referee. So for me, it was poor from the officials, but I don't think it was a penalty, if that makes sense. Yeah, it, it completely makes sense. And Matt, you, you want the referees to still officiate the game. So if the referee doesn't blow the whistle and the game plays on, you're almost taking the job away from the referee because the officials will then say, well, I'll never need to blow my whistle because if I've missed something, VAR will just come in once the ball goes out of play. So look, Chris Kavanagh's performance wasn't great. He's pointed at the spot. It's He's given his decision. And that's what we want referees to do. We want them to officiate the game and make decisions and I think the frustrating thing is it wasn't clear and obvious, was it? It wasn't a clear and obvious error by him. Either way, whether he give it or he didn't, it wasn't clear and obvious. So once he's give it, I think the expectation then should be you go with the on-field official. He's managing the game. He's managing expectations. What shouldn't, what shouldn't be a penalty. So for, then, for it to be overturned over, it, let's be honest, it's the slightest of fingertips. You, you can see why frustrations occurred, do you know what I mean? And while temper started to boil over for the next five, ten minutes, couldn't you at Goodison Park? Yeah, hundred percent. And this 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 referee, Kavanaugh, he's got previous at Goodison because that Sigurdsson decision a few years ago, the United still still lasts in the memory for me because that was a dreadful decision as well. I go slightly against the grain here and probably put a little bit of Everton bias in this. I thought it was a penalty. I think it is a penalty. I, I don't think Lloris gets enough for that ball. To, to to warrant warrant them giving giving it any, anything other than a penalty, and the clear and clear and obvious thing is to give the penalty, especially when the on field on field referees giving that decision that has to be a penalty. If the on field referee there, Chris Kavanagh, doesn't give anything, you go right fair enough. It's a tight call, but and we'll move on. But for me, once the referees made that decision. And the tight being so cool, tight what what it was. I, I don't know. I don't see how how can that be overturned. That, that doesn't doesn't sound right to me at all. Clear and obvious. That wasn't clear and obvious. It wasn't a clear and obvious error by the referee. That's why every man and his dog is talking about it. You know whether it's Sky Sports, BBC, us now, we're all talking about it because it wasn't a clear and obvious error. So it has to be a penalty. I think the worst part of it for me was the fact that they somehow gave the ball back to Tottenham when we, we had an open goal. 
So it it was a it, for me it was it was a catalogue of errors. Um, one not given play some time to to carry on for me. Once he's seen once he sees Richardson get up there, for me he's got he's got he's got to carry on. Second and then second second of all to overturn the decision, and then thirdly to give the ball back to Tottenham. <sighs> It, it was amazing, and, and unfortunately for us, we couldn't use the the crowd or the impetus to 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 you know bring home the bring home the goods. I mean, these referee—I don't think we've had many good refereeing performances this year. Um, I think the referees in this country are pretty poor. It's a it's a tough old gig, um, but the standard is rubbish. The the, the decisions. Are inaccurate at times. You know the the, the, le- the levels of consistency with decisions is wrong. Um, but this has been for me. This has been an underlying issue in English football for a long time. Uh, there's people at the top of the FA and the referee association that have been there for too long. Uh, the same old names, the same old faces, um, and until they go, for me, nothing will change. I know that might be an unpopular call, but for me, the whole the whole FA Referee and Association needs an overhaul um, because until that happens, the standard of referee in this in this country will, will stay the same, which in my opinion isn't very good. Mm, and Lee, we've we've all had an opinion on the penalty or no penalty, shall we say? And moving on to the next big decision was the Mason Holgate tackle in the 82nd minute on Pierre Emil mm. Hoiberg cleared the ball, the follow through. What did you think there? Did you think it was a red card? Chris Kavanagh originally gave a yellow. VAR interfered and said, you need to go and have a look at it. You went and had a look, took the yellow away and issued a straight red. What were your thoughts on that decision there? Yeah, no, I don't think you can realistically have any complaints with that one. I think he got that one right in the end. Obviously, he's made the the error initially, but that, obviously that's an example of VAR doing what it's supposed to do. Um, I think when you watch it, Holgate's lost his head. Um, you know that's not a natural movement for me. The way his leg stays out and you know keeps rising and makes a co- contact with Hoiberg's knee, it's dangerous play. Um, he's out of control. That that's a red card for me. Just to clarify, by the way, Matt, I'm with you. I think it's a penalty regardless of whether it's clear and obvious. I thought that's a Stonewall pen. 125 years of football, that's a penalty. Uh, it's only when VARs come in that obviously you're looking at hairline contact with the ball but as for Holgate listen lads I think we've spoken about him now I, I don't know where his career is going I thought it was um, obviously he's come on because Delph and Alan were both tiring for different reasons both put an absolutely brilliant shift in brilliant performance yesterday so he's come on obviously it doesn't say much for Gabamin. I don't know whether we'll come on to that later or not I'm not sure but he's come on he's made a couple of errors um, you know things weren't exactly going his way um, one nearly led to a goal with Lacelso there hitting the post. Um, he looked completely lost, like a fish out of water in the middle. And I don't know whether it's just a bit of frus- frustrations crept in, um, but it's a it's a bad tackle, and if it's one that if, if we're on the end of it, you're crying off for a red card all day. So he deserves his red card. You know he's going to be banned now. Um, and I know there's been rumours of of him being linked elsewhere, perhaps in uh, in the January transfer window, and it wouldn't surprise me if he's deemed surplus to requirements at Everton and, and we probably see him moved on because we will probably command a half decent fee for him, you know, if we if we get things right. But it's just not seemed to happen for Mason Holgate for one reason or another at Everton. It, there's been a couple of times where he's threatened to sort of break out of his shell and become a little bit of a player and he's shown glimpses and we've gone, yeah, okay. Yeah, we'll have a bit of him. Um but certainly the last twelve months he's um he seems to have gone gone backwards and it's a shame because of who we want players to to do well and you know we want to get behind them but yeah it just doesn't look like it's going to happen and you know now you know he's had the chance there to come in maybe put a decent performance in for 20 minutes and you know he, he certainly didn't didn't do that and he didn't do himself any favors so you know we're going to be without him for a couple of games after the international break but hopefully by then we've got you know players back maybe to Corey Gomez as well and it won't be too much of a miss Ben, before we move on, the two key decisions. The red card for Holgate, I think I've said my opinion. I, the penalty, I'll just go back to it quickly. The penalty, in my opinion, I don't think it's clear and obvious either way. I think if the referee gives it, I think we have to stick with that decision. I think if he doesn't give it, 
I would then probably say we have to stick with that decision. And like I just said earlier, I think if Pickford is at the other end, I think we're saying that's a great bit of keep and he's got his fingertips to it just in time. But either way, Ben, do you think one decision was worse than the other by Chris Kavanagh? I think the whole this whole performance was pretty shambolic, to be honest. I think obviously Delph had a, a great tackle in the first half. Gets the ball, we're on the break and he somehow gets it back for a foul and books him. Um, but as Matthew said before, there's been a few times now at Goodison Park where he hasn't performed particularly well. Um, he hasn't really got a grip of the, the game. But you know what? There's nothing better than Goodison Park um, when there's some refereeing decisions go against them because it gets the fans going. Obviously, I wasn't, I wasn't there yesterday. Um, but obviously, speaking to yourself, Lee, listen, watching on the uh, on my phone in Alton Towers, the crowd sounded incredible. Sounded like it was like a frustrated, angry mob that just wanted to get behind the team. And if we would have scored, I think Goodison would have had liftoff. Um, but unfortunately, that wasn't to be. So I'm pretty sure you guys can address that, the um, how good it was seeing the, the crowd get behind the team again. And obviously there's a bit, bit of past history as well, with obviously the Son issue and some of the Spurs players being a bit snide, shall we say. But no, the Mason Holgate decision, I think, again, Cavana's got it completely wrong. It was definitely never a booking. Um, it was the definite sending off. And that's where VAR should step in. It's clear and obvious that's a red card, but... Again, same day, a couple of hours later, Aaron Creswell does it on Jordan Henderson and nothing happens. So I, I just want consistency. Um, obviously, I've talked about it before. This industry isn't just a few hundred pounds here and there. It's a million pound industry. Literally, you can have a couple of million pounds between places. And we've got people making refereeing decisions that are just completely awful. They're just just not affecting anyone and we need to ensure that these standard of referees you seem to watch the European football matches you watch the World Cup the Euros and the officiating from some of these European referees is unbelievable and you come back and have a look at some of the English referees it's just absolutely shambolic and that's no disrespect to any up and coming young referees who want to aspire to perform at the top level but something needs to be done because the standard just isn't quite up there at the moment so I don't know why I don't know what it is I don't know if it's just sheer arrogance at the moment but something needs to change but the, the Holgate one was a definite red card but Cavana got that one wrong as well you know straight away so I don't know if it was his positioning if it was the Goodison crowd I'm not sure because anyone could see that tackle from anywhere and realise that's serious foul play to send it off all day but no, on a positive note, it's good to see the Everton players give a bit of determination, a bit of grit, a bit of fight, something we haven't seen for the last three games. So it was a game that I think if we had a bit of a creative play, we could have may well got the three points. We just needed that last bit of quality in the final third. But look, I just want to see Everton put a fight in and put a shift in. And look, they've just had a new manager, Tottenham and obviously Conte. Um, we were the better side there and I feel like we were a bit unjust to just get a point. It probably was fair overall, but I feel like we could have potentially nicked three points. So overall, it stopped the, the run of defeats um, and just fingers crossed we can get something back for City with Decore coming back in and, and Gomez floating here, here and there. But and obviously, Yerry Mean as well coming back into the fold. Now, do we risk them against Man City? I'll leave that one up for debate for the fans on Twitter. I'm not so sure, but fingers crossed we can get another result. Matt, moving away from the referee's performance and the decisions, a 0-0 draw against Spurs. So defensively, we've looked a bit shaky of late, but a back four of Seamus Coleman, Luca Dean at left-back, Michael Keane and Ben Godfrey at centre-back. They looked a lot better, didn't they? A lot more assured, a bit more comfortable. And Godfrey was a, was more well, back to his old self, we would like to say, at centre-half, wasn't he? Yeah, it was a much more coherent performance from, from the whole team, I think, defensively. Um you know, I thought the structure and the organisation of the team was was something that I expected Rafa would implement early on. And I think we saw it for a few games. Um, I actually spoke on Monday after Wolves saying I, th- I thought we'd moved away slightly from what Rafa Benitez was trying to do. Um, and that was the worry. But we really got back to basics in this game. Um, had a good structure about, structure about us. And, and, and really, aside from... You know, Regulon and that Lo Celso effort at the end there limited their best attackers to to very, very little. Um, you know, I think Mora, Kane and Son on papers, one of the better front threes in this league. And and to not have a shot on target in the whole game, then, you know, the defence, you know, in isolation need, need, uh, need praise, but also the whole team because the structure of that side was much better yesterday. 
I thought the, the main part of that come through a man that a lot of people, including myself, don't actually like that much in, in, in Delft. I thought he did a fantastic job at just, just sitting. I don't think we've seen Alan try and do that job. I, I personally don't think that's his natural role. And, and we see someone that just sits in front of that back four and protects him a little bit. And that was really important. I thought the main the main positive yesterday was was the Ben Godfrey performance. I thought he, he looked much more assured, both on the ball, but physically he looked like he was back to something like we saw last season. Um, whether that's due to, to to Rafa getting into him a little bit after Wolves, or whether he's you know he's he's finally getting over the, the COVID effects, but he he believed he bullied them yesterday, and I thought some of his interceptions certainly early on, where he pressed forward. And, um, you know, intercepted in midfield there was really impressive. That's what we want to see, our defenders, you know, getting in and, and cutting things out early on and getting us on the front foot. Um, but, yeah, the whole the whole structure of the team was the best part for me yesterday. You know, in isolation, yesterday's performances was exactly what we wanted. Um, a clean sheet, really, to stop the rot. Um, I think we'd have all taken a point at the start of the game. The question you have to ask is why can't we see that commitment on a on a regular basis? Why can't we see that type of performance week in week out? Um, you know, we hear the sound bites most weeks from from certain members of the squad saying that you know that's that's the minimum they should be given, but we don't we don't always see it. Everton, not in, not with this squad, there seems to be a theme of of these players throwing managers under underneath the bus. Well, I don't think they'll get that with this manager because he'll throw them under the bus before 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 he does. You know, he's not going to let his image and reputation be be tarnished by this group of players. Um, and I thought they responded well. Um, like I said, if we'd have seen this type of effort and discipline, um, certainly against Watford and the first half against Wolves, then, then we probably would have picked up at least three, maybe four more points. Um but this is definitely the framework and the, and the structure to use now, certainly up until January time, where we've got a lot of tough fixtures. Let's let's use this structure and this organisation to keep clean sheets, pick up points. And then I think some of the, the attacking play comes with that. Obviously, yesterday we didn't create huge amounts. Um, I actually think it's probably one of the weaker parts of the squad, the creativity, certainly in central areas. Um, and and I don't think anything can be done about that until until maybe January uh, at the earliest, but obviously probably more likely the summer. Um, you know that link play between midfield and attack just isn't quite there. Um, you know everything's everything's going out wide really, um, which which suits us with our wingers. But again, certainly there's a there's a slight imbalance with Seamus Coleman on the right that he doesn't get forward that much and we're sort of. You wish if we had if we had a proper right back that was marauding forward, then and we could use them really well. But like you said, a, a good solid clean sheet. This performance and result in isolation was a good one. Um, the question mark is now: Can we take this through to the the next six or seven games? Lee, just sticking with the back four and defensively. As a team, I know Spurs only had a couple of corners, but they had a couple of free kicks being dumped into into our 18-yard box. We looked a lot better defensively, didn't we? A lot more organised defensively from set pieces, and it's it's pleasing, isn't it? After the after the seven to ten days we had previous, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I wasn't really on edge at any point during the game yesterday. Sat there thinking, you know, Harry Kane's gonna bag one any minute now, or Son, or any, and and as you know, you just said there, you know, there are a really, really talented attacking outfit Spurs. You know, they've got players that can hurt you, but I thought we handled them really, really well. Um, obviously, I think there's a, there's a lot of work gone in there in the last week, you know, after the absolute disaster, the nightmare that we suffered against Wofford there's, there's, and Wolves. You know, there's a lot of lot of work gone in there, I think. And the players have responded, which is pleasing. You know, um, I don't think there's any sort of concern that Benitez has, has lost the dressing room. I don't think that's happened. As I say, I do think he commands a bit of respect. Um, you know, and, and I don't know whether there's been a couple of comments on, on Twitter since the game actually yesterday where people have suggested that we may have binned off zonal marking yesterday. Now, to be fair, if I'm completely honest, I didn't watch the game closely enough 
um, to make that judgment whether we did or we didn't. You know, perhaps Ben or Matt or yourself may could, you know, add something to that. I'm not too sure. Um, but whatever we did behind the scenes on the training ground definitely seemed to work. Um, Godfrey at centre back compared to Godfrey at full back, you know, is absolutely night and day. He looked a lot fitter. He looked back to his little angry, snidey self, you know, which we love to see. And Goodison will always get behind. I thought Luca Dean had a much, much better game as well. Um, I think all he's missing now is just that end product, that scoring a free kick or scoring a whopper from outside the box. That's what we're used to seeing from him, but he was much better. Coleman, again, thought he had a decent game defensively. He just doesn't offer anything now going forward, um, which sort of made the right-hand side a little bit imbalanced compared to the left. Um, and I thought Michael Keane was obviously much better. Um, it's not actually saying much because I don't think he could have got any worse following the Watford or the, the Wolves games, but he was he was much better. So collectively and individually, it was much, much better yesterday. And it just make, it's just a shame really, that we couldn't apply ourselves and be that disciplined and switched on, concentrated during those two games because you, you look at them on paper and they were very, very winnable and we could have been sat here with an extra four or six points or whatever. But obviously it's not to be. And whatever formula we found yesterday, I just hope that we can carry it on, carry it on now because, listen, we're 11 games in, is it? You know, there's still a massive part of the season left. And, and it... it it, it, you've only got to look at last season where it looked even January, February time like Europe was ours to, to give away. It was it was very, very unlikely that we weren't going to finish in Europe and, and you've seen what happened. You know, we, we quickly thrown that away and the same can happen the other way around. Uh, you know, if we can get players back fit and consistently fit and then also be sensible and perhaps add a couple of real good additions in January and I know that's difficult, then the season may not be over. You know, we've all had a reaction after those couple of games that have just gone. And I don't think anyone can blame anyone for that because they were absolutely appalling. But if, if you sort of sit back and take context now, we've been very hard done to, very, very hard done to in terms of injuries. We get these players back. And as I say, the team do the job, the recruitment team, the board do the job in January, then we may be able to salvage something from this season. You just never know. Mm, yeah, and, and Ben... We have been hard done to injury-wise. And, and one player that has then came through and shown his worth when fit is Fabian Delph. And I know it's a it's a name that's not very popular amongst many Evertonians, but he came on for a cameo at, at, at Wolves. Well, he came on for a half, shall I say. And, and he was excellent, I thought. I thought he really ran the show at Molyneux. I know that wasn't saying much given the first half performance from some of the players, but he, he really took responsibility and control. And, and against Spurs, he, he obviously played for an hour, which was clearly pre-planned because he got hooked bang on an hour for, for Tom Davis. But for that 60 minutes, he was he was very, very good again, wasn't he? Yeah. I got called a madman before Wolves was suggesting to play Fabian Dell from the start. But look, the guy can play football. Um, I just think his issue is he always picks up injuries and his attitude has been questionable at Everton. They obviously paid a decent whack for him and he's on decent money as well. So for somebody we think potentially might be taking the mic out of us as a club, the people aren't just going to get behind. I think some of his attitudes, some of the stuff that came out in his, in his early days at Everton, people just didn't like. But there's no questioning. He, he can play football. He, no one stays at Manchester City for that long. Um, if you're not good at football, they just get rid of you. But you've seen all the videos on the Amazon documentary. He was quite a big figure in that Man City dressing room. I know there's a, um, a clip where he tries to like motivate the team at half-time. But look, he came in there, he did a job, he did a role. Um, he's not as athletic as he used to be, but he just he wants the ball. He, he's a player that won't shy away and he's someone who will put a tackle in. And I think Lee mentioned it pre-match on the um, on the WhatsApp group. All it takes is somebody like Fabian Delft to put a massive tackle in and the Goodison crowd will get up. All it takes at Goodison is a, a moment like that. What we can't go towards is players not tackling, shying away from the, the fight, shying away from the match. We just won't accept that. That's when the, the murmurs start to happen. The the Goodison fans seem to get on edge. But when a player gets behind the, the passion and when the fans are fighting, the fans are cheering and someone puts a massive hit in, which Delph is capable of because he is a bit snide at times, the crowd get up for it and he's somebody that will get the crowd up for it. But he always wants the ball. He always shows us an option. He's not going to light the world on fire. He's not going to run 60 to 80 yards and do a massive great finish from 30 yards he's not that type of player 
What he is, though, he's tidy and very neat, and he always is an option. And what you'll find him as well, he's very vocal. He's always demanding more from people, especially in the likes of, in the past, Michael Keane's had it at his feet, and he goes long. You can see Delph getting in his ear saying, just play it short, play it short and move off, create the space that way. So he's a player that really does want to get the ball on the floor and obviously try and play some sort of football. Is it coming a little bit too late for me, all these performances? Maybe. I've seen some Evertonians suggest he might be playing for a new contract, new deal. I don't care what he's playing for, just get us some points under our belt because these injuries with the core rate, being injured, etc., you look at the last 20 minutes there, we had Mason Holgate and Tom Davis, central midfield for Everton Football Club. Again, £500 million spent over the past five years for them to central midfielder. At the end of the game, it's it's not good enough, is it? So I know we haven't been the best signing and I don't think it's worked um, over the past three years. However, we need him now. We desperately need him. And if he's fit, he has to play some sort of role, even if it's starting to short up the, the, the defence. Also, we're in a winning position. If he's if he is fit and he's an option on the bench, he is somebody that will come on a sure head and will just stay calm, get hold of the ball, and just keep the ball away from the attacking team. So it's definitely an option, and it's a good option to have. And he's come become fit at a real good time for Everton. So I'm glad I'm made up that he's doing well. But he, we just need to wrap him in cotton wool now because we can't afford another injury long term. Because I can't see. Mason Holgate and Tom Davis in the midfield again because we've seen what happened yesterday. It was an absolute disaster. Mm, yeah, and talking of, of Mason Holgate, Matt, I know Lee touched on it a little bit earlier within the podcast and Ben just touched on it again. It's it's strange, isn't it? 82nd minute, Alan was clearly tired and, and Rafa Benitez has come out and said that he was actually struggling with, with, the, with the flu. So he, he was dragging him off and you have two options. You have Jean-Philippe Gabamin to, to put on or, or Mason Holgate who's the centre-half and he brings on Mason Holgate to play in that holding role. Does that kind of show to the fans what probably Rafa thinks of JP Gabamin right now? I think it just highlights where he is as a player. Um, I don't doubt that when he signed, he was probably one of the more positive signings that, that we've made profile-wise. Um, his abilities at, at Mainz certainly sort of covered what, what Garner gave us in terms of that sitting midfielder with good physical presence. But I just think it's so it must be so hard for him to get up to speed with the league. Um, I'm amazed they haven't used the under-23s games for him more. I think he just looks like a player that's crying out for some game time at whatever level it is. Um, not at Premier League level. He's not ready for that for me. But a, a lower level, just to get some minutes in those legs, get them going again. Because, because yeah, I, I don't think the Wolves performance did him any favours, unfortunately, for him. Um he looked really off the pace, which was to be expected. I think I said on a, a podcast early in the season, I thought it would be at least Christmas time or after January where we'd see any sort of Premier League level from him. Um, and, and that's been proven the case. Unfortunately, you know, the substitutions yesterday really did take the momentum out of the game. Not totally sure that's all on Rafa because you look at the state of the bench and... Where does he turn to? Um, I th- certainly think he looked at the Watford game in particular and saw maybe in the middle of the part was was lacking in energy in the final 10 minutes or so. And funnily enough, after the game, he said that Alan's been struggling with a, with a flu all week. So, you know, he wanted some more energy in there. So you could see why he brought Mason Holgate on because he's played there before. He's actually done OK in, in that position. Um but it's when you look at the squad, the, the type of profile of midfielder that you want to bring on just wasn't there. You wanted someone that could probably get on the ball and get us flowing again and use that Goodison crowd with, with, with five, ten minutes to go to try and you know create chances for us. And it, unfortunately, the substitutions really you know took the wind out of our sails. And, and that's the most annoying thing for me that we just didn't didn't have the the profile of player to come on and and, and change the game. It's it's funny that, you know, we're talking about people like Delph and I'm going to mention Andre Gomez now. Is, is another player that, for me, is flattered to deceive at m- most times in his Everton career. But you look at his type of profile and you just wish if, if an Andre Gomez would have been fitting on the bench, he'd have been a, a better option to come on and, and try and change that game. Um, the Holgate performance overall was really poor, though. And, and he's a player that's just not right 
just not right in a minute. And you just wonder how many more chances he's going to get because, you know, there was interest for him in the summer. And I'm sure that there'll be teams that, that still think he could do a job for them. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see come January whether there's offers for him because it is an area that, despite, you know, it's well covered in numbers for Everton. You know, I've got Jarrod Branthwaite there as well. Um, whether Everton decide to, to cash in on Holgate and, and use that money to to maybe fill a, a midfield or a, a right back spot. So, you know, that will be interesting to see. Um, but yeah, like I said, unfortunately, the the, the, the substitutions really took the wind out of our sails. And I do believe that if we did, could have could have brought on a couple of couple of good substitutions with um, 10 minutes to go, I thought Spurs were, were really lacking. You know, they played their first team in the Europa League game on Thursday. And I thought the legs had gone, and I thought we really could have got at, could have got at them, but unfortunately not to be. Lee, you said that we didn't create much, and we didn't create much. But one player that did play well and as is reaping the praises, shall we say, from from the Everton faithful is Anthony Gordon. Started mm. the game, completed a full ninety. How did you rate his performance? I'm a big fan of his, Mick. I, I really like him as a player. Um, I'm not going to go as far to say he's the finished article yet because I don't think he is. I still think he's got a bit of bulking up to do. I think he he has to fill out and become, you know, you know his natural physique. Um, a little bit of work to do there, but I love his energy. I love his attitude. Even listening to him speak yesterday, I, I, I think he was asked the question, you know, and Ben Ben's asked us what the atmosphere was like yesterday because unfortunately he missed the game. Um, it was you could tell. He was like, "Wow, you know, he 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 considers he considers sorry himself lucky to be a part of it." Um, you know, I, I'm lucky enough. I, I volunteered as a groundsman for a year or so, got years ago now, and I've stood on the middle of that pitch when Zed Cars comes on, and and it is a a strange, strange feeling when you're getting that noise from all four corners of Goodison Park. It's loud, you know. And he he's someone. He's a local lad. He's coming in, he's experienced and that. It must be amazing. He's fit, he's completed 90 minutes yesterday, which is a massive milestone. You know, just a couple of weeks after Benitez saying he wasn't ready and he didn't have 90 minutes in his legs. Thought he did really well yesterday. Um, I think just the times you may have said it on Twitter, it just seems like he's perhaps overthinking a little bit in possession, perhaps trying too hard. He's a very naturally gifted footballer. And I think if he just allows that natural ability to flow um, he, he will produce um, and I mentioned it previously on another podcast you know I think last season when he came in I remember him playing in front of these empty stadiums and he was so unlucky on a couple of occasions he was he seemed to be hitting the, the post the bar in every game that he played or, or came on um, and he had a, another couple of efforts yesterday where it just felt for, it fell for him and you know, he couldn't quite get over it or it didn't quite fall in time for him and it just seems only a matter of time that one of these is going to fall at that left foot and he's just going to ping one in. Um, and I think Goodison's waiting for that. I think he's waiting for that. That's sort of going to be the liftoff for his career um, because I do think he's got a really, really bright future at Everton, Anthony Gordon. I just like everything about him, his mannerisms, everything. Very technically gifted, highly spoken of um, from within the club. And also, I think opposition fans look at him and see there's a player there as well. So we've got to look after him. I think there's a responsibility for Rafa Benitez to manage him properly. Um, is he ready to start week in, week out in the Premier League just now? I'm not so sure. Unfortunately, we just haven't got, we can't be picky because we just haven't got the options at the minute. Um, but he did himself absolutely no harm yesterday. I thought it was another really, really decent performance. Not perfect, not completely polished, but there's enough there to get really, really enthused about him as a player. Yeah, I, I agree with with Lee there, Ben. I think Anthony Gordon has got a really bright future, which which is strange, isn't it? Given that we have a, you know, Alex Wobi on the bench and he's had a couple of chances. Do you now think, you know, what Gordon now needs to run a games ahead of Iwobi? Iwobi's had his chances. Time to give Anthony Gordon a good five, six, seven, eight games. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think Alex Iwobi again lacking in confidence. Started the season well, but just hasn't performed over the past couple of weeks. Where Gordon stepped in. Looked extremely lively against Wolves. Unlucky not to score the header. I thought it was in. And again, unlucky yesterday. Um, I thought he worked his socks off. He, he applies himself really, really well. And look, 
12 to 18 months ago, I, I was unsure if there was a place for Anthony Gordon in this team. Um, he went to obviously Preston and that didn't materialise. Obviously, they signed him and they kind of went to a new a new 5-3-2 formation, I think they went to, so it didn't really suit his game. So it was kind of a failed loan move for him. So I potentially thought that he obviously was made available in the summer if certain deals went through in time, which they didn't, so they kept him behind. And I think it's a really good bit of luck for Everton because I feel like he's matured, I think, from the start of this season already. Um, he's, he wants the ball, he's being direct. He, he's, he's deceptively really, really quick as well. He's very fast along the ground. You've only got to look at what some of the, um, the more mature professionals are saying about him, especially the likes of Ben Foster and go for Watford saying that he's going to be a baller, you can just see it, and you can. He just needs to just continue to apply himself. As Lee said, maybe a bit more weighty, because the Premier League is extremely physical. But if he can gain a bit of muscle mass and still maintain his speed, it's going to be a real, real threat going forward. I just want to see him get a bit more involved in the creativity, um, a few assists, a few goals here and there. And like I said, I think if he gets one goal, given the world of confidence, just really kick on because once you get one, the pressure's relieved. I think there's a bit of a build of it and anticipation for him to actually get his first Goodison goal or first Everton goal, shall we say. But when it goes in, there's going to be some reaction. It's going to be really, really good because, look, he plays with a shirt. His attitude, determination and fight can never be questioned. Even if he's not performing well in the past, or he always gives 110%, which is all we want from any Everton player. So I'd like to see him now start the games. And it was good to see Damari Gray out wide. I know it probably was one of his better games, um, but he's so much better out wide than obviously just behind the 10, it's going past players, etc. That's what we need. Anthony Gordon on the left, Damari uh, um, Gray on the right, with Charleston up front, I think, going forward. So, yeah, there would be my three up front uh, until obviously Calvert Lewin and Decore and others come back. And then we potentially might go back to a 4 4 2. Not too sure, but I'm not the manager. But no, really impressive, Gordon, over the past few weeks. I feel like being in and around the first team, starting games, getting minutes is going to really help him mature at such a young age. So, no, best of luck to him in his ever future. Mm, I think yeah. he's waiting for the derby, mate. You know, first goal, Derby. Derby. <laughs> That'd be some time to, to do it, Lee, let's be honest. Matt, bef- before we wrap up, do you think Rafa Benitez would be quite content with the point at home to Spurs? Yeah, I think I think it was a perfect performance for the manager because he wanted to get back to basics, you know, a clean sheet after some really poor performances. Um, a lot of goals have been shipped. Um you know, I thought that was a classic Rafa, Rafa Benitez performance, really. I think that all that was lacking was a little bit of quality at the top top end of the pitch. Um, you know, to, to like I said before, earlier in the pod, to keep that Tottenham front three from get, getting any shot on target throughout the game is a really, really good stat for Everton. And just the template to, to take forward. Um, I think he, Rafa will have just wanted to stop the rot Certainly at home as well. He wouldn't have wanted three home defeats in a row because, you know, that's where the majority of the support comes from. And once the home fans start turning on you, then then it can get difficult. But I think I think he brought people back on side yesterday, including myself, because not that I wasn't on side, but I said earlier on, on Monday that he was getting it wrong for me, getting it completely wrong in terms of the setup of the team. Certainly at home, first halves, I was... You know the sitting back and the waiting for, for teams to come on to us. Just it, that's just not right, Goodison. There's got to be some sort of momentum, some sort of tempo, some sort of intensity. And we 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 made more fouls in the first half than we have done in any of our previous home games so far yesterday. And and that was the key, that was a key stat for me. I thought we come out of the blocks really really quick, um, and and that got the crowd on side. And and that has to that has to be the template going forward. You know, at home, away from home, we've got to again got to utilise that defensive solidity now. With it, with it, and we've got to have a holding midfield player. But you know, it was so important, and it highlighted. I think for me, this has been a key issue for a while since Garner left. We have not replaced Garner Gay. Alan is not a Garner Gay replacement for me, and it highlights how important a, a real shielder, a number, a proper number six, someone that sits in front of the back four, is in a team. You know, it allows all your front players to go and express themselves a little bit more. It allows, but it also allows the, the, the attacks to flow slightly easier because everything went through Delft yesterday. 
whether it was from a defensive point of view or from a from passing point of view. I thought he dictated the game really, really well. He never vacated that central area. And that's something that Rafa likes in his teams. He doesn't like his central midfielders to vacate the central area. I thought he did that really well. So I think, you know, the manager will, will go away now. He'll want to get players back fit because we're hoping to maybe have one or two back certainly in the early part of, of the next, you know, round of fixtures and try and get this season back on track. You know, it won't be easy. We've got a, a really tough schedule. But he'll be hoping now going into the next run of games that we're going to pick as many points as possible, whether that's pretty or not, we don't care. Um, and, and fingers crossed we can take that solidity that we saw yesterday in, into those games. Yeah, and, and that's all we've got time for. Everton are back on the 21st of November, where we face a, <laughs> as difficult as it gets, a trip to the Etihad to play Manchester City. In the meantime, it's the international break, but we will not be going anywhere. We will be back later this week with all the talk over the under-23 and down setup at Finch Farm and Goodison Park. There's lots to discuss. Listen to Michael Ball and all the lads discuss what is going on in the under-23s, academy and all things around that. In the meantime, Everton stopped the rot after three straight defeats. A 0-0 draw at home to Spurs stops the rot for now, heading into the international break. In the meantime, have a great week and we'll see you very soon. Take care and all the very best. Thank you. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.